0: You are now listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lugani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work towards your ideal retirement. Roshan Lugani and Eric Olson are certified financial planner practitioners that serve clients across the U.S., They offer financial planning and investment advice through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, and securities through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and NFA. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams.
1: Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm Roshan Langani, and I'm joined by Eric Olson and Adrian Nicholson. We're here to help you achieve your dreams. We want you to have a happy and fulfilling retirement, and we're gonna go over various topics that we think can put you on that path. We are very excited to help you on your goals, on achieving your goals, on your paths to reaching this. So we vary topics, and we are just here to help. So Eric and Adrian, we are in the middle of the quarantine still. How are you guys doing?
2: I'm doing doing good. But as we get closer to summer, I'm starting to get more anxious with the stay at home order as the weather starts to get a lot nicer out just makes me want to go out more and more. So the only thing that really helps is just creating all the plans and all the little ventures and going out plans I have for when it's when it's over is really helping me stay motivated and sane during all of this. How about you, Eric?
3: Oh, man, Adrian, I was so with you on that. Joan and I uh, are attempting to uh, put together a backpacking trip the second week of June. And it almost feels like we're having to go about this as though we're like, Secret agents or something like that, exactly, trying to yeah. find the state that will allow us to actually go on a you know for a few days hiking in either a national park or a, or a state park or something like that. So it uh, we all I feel almost like borderline subversive for wanting to go backpacking. so i am ready I am ready for uh, progress to be made here. I think some some decisive policy action is needed. But otherwise, I'm doing well. Thanks for
1: asking. Good, good. That's great. I feel similar to both of you, but I have to admit, I feel a little guilty that I am enjoying part of this quarantine. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like it's so difficult on a lot of people, which I completely understand, but getting... Uh, I'm somewhat of a homebody anyway, and being able to get things like uh, we watched a comedy show on Zoom yesterday, which was pretty good. We tried one last week, which I didn't like as much, but being able to get that from home without having
2: to go anywhere, <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah, everything's much more convenient being at home, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I do agree with you, though, Adrian. I had a friend send me a joke at the beginning of this that said people are really worried about the virus until the weather gets
2: above 70 degrees and they just
1: want to go outside. Yeah, if this
2: this would have happened when it was like a snowstorm, when it's like freezing out, then it's, you know, you just work with it. But as summer's slowly approaching, you know, people are just thinking about their their plans, their summer plans that they have in these vacations, especially people in retirement as well that... Probably have just started the retirement or you know really looking forward to getting back out there and really uh, participating in the dreams that they have.
1: Yeah, actually, I have a client who retired in the fall um, and then took a series of little trips and then finally sort of was starting her retirement in March. So she actually retired, I think it was in November, but she had trips and things going on. And so she hasn't been able to feel what her regular retirement will be like because she's been been stuck at home. So yeah, I I know a lot of people want to get going with that and and a lot of other things. This actually is a really good uh, segue for our new segment because I do have a little bit of uh, quarantine, coronavirus talk in there as well. So I want to introduce our listeners to our our new segments. We've tried to add, this is actually our second time doing it. It's called... Science of Happiness. Welcome to the Science of Happiness segment that we've got for you today. The reason we do this is, as I mentioned at the beginning at our introduction, we want to help you accomplish all your goals and all your dreams. And uh, about five years ago, maybe a little longer now, I had read about how a lot of retirees are unhappy in retirement. And it was a surprise to me because... uh, I hear people talk all day about how they want to retire and how they'd be excited to not work. Then when you retire, you're unhappy. That didn't sound right to me. So I wanted to do something about it for my clients, at least. And now through this podcast, I can... Uh, help others. So Eric Adrian and I have discussed this in the past and we thought it would be a good fit in here So we're always going to talk a little bit about something that can make you uh, Hopefully a little bit happier uh, in your life So today I was going through some of my notes uh, on uh, one of the happiness books I've read in the past and I've got one that applies to the coronavirus and uh, and in general in order to be happy a lot of times people need something to accomplish so I'm going to ask both of you today to answer this question. The bigger question really from from the book is, what do you want to accomplish with the rest of your life? I think that's a good question for almost any phase. If you're in your 20s or if you're in your 70s, what do you want to accomplish for the rest of your life? Doesn't have to be something huge. One of my favorite answers I got is a woman in her late 80s said to me once, I want to accomplish having a spoon of chocolate ice cream every day. And so she, as long as she had the chocolate ice cream in the freezer, she was accomplishing what she wanted to. So I po- always mention that just because when you use the word accomplish, sometimes people think it's got to be huge. So my question to both of you today is, what do you want to accomplish during the rest of the quarantine, assuming it's another month? And I know I haven't given you a chance to think about this, so it might be a little bit, uh, take you a moment to Consider some thoughts. What comes to
2: mind? What comes to mind first during all this is something I guess I want to accomplish, which is being able to kind of connect more emotionally with my friends and family, even if it's a small little moment. I think is important because this is going to be a really tough time to look back at history, but it would be nice to have, you know, oh, we had that, you know, a great moment or that laugh that we had or the, um, that meeting that we had online was a, a lot of fun. And just being able to have that throughout a spectrum of family and friends, I think would be really important to kind of shed a little light on a pretty, pretty tough time. I think is something I really want to accomplish. That's Adrian,
3: cool. I, uh, Yeah, I love that, uh, caring motivation and connecting motivation within you, Adrian. I wasn't expecting that. And that's, that's a really great reminder. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I was going to say something so much more mundane and now I'm a little ashamed to say it. So uh, but I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, we are intending, as you know, to make a move from the, the greater Chicago area to West Michigan. And, um, as we'll be talking about in the subsequent segment of this, uh, my wife is finally pulling the trigger on her retirement, and, which will a- allow us to make that shift. My work can be done from anywhere, have a computer and Zoom camera, we'll travel. And uh, in her case, you know, it, it was really at the clinic. So um, that we're really just, I mean, it's all in on household projects to get the place ready to put up for sale. That's it.
1: See, I think that's great. I like uh, the contrast of your goals in the sense that um, Adrian's is, or, and I, I almost shouldn't even use the word goals, but Adrian's yours is more about a connection. You can't really define that, right? You kind of know if you did it or you didn't. Yeah, but you're going to put effort towards it. Where uh, Eric, yours, you can we can tell if you painted the house or not, assuming <laughs> right. that's on your list, right? So it, I, I like I like. Well, the I've contrast. checked that one off, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> Excellent. And, uh, and I'll share mine as well. And as I uh, constantly telling Eric and Adrian, when we're working on our show, I want everything to be fresh. So I haven't given much thought to this question, even though I w- was prepared in looking for it and finding it for us. Uh, but my answer is, I want to continue being on track for the goals I'd set for the year. I feel like it's easy. Every year, And multiple times a year, I will actually sort of update it at least once. Uh, So two to four times a year, I have this list of goals I want to accomplish, and I'll revisit it and adjust it if things have been accomplished and so on. But I just want to make sure I stay on track. I feel like with the quarantine and being stuck at home, it creates a roadblock. And I I want to be, uh, I guess in general in life, I want to be someone that feels like this can't stop me. Right, So this roadblock can't stop me. So I just want to be on track for those goals that, I, that I've set forth. And I don't want the virus to be an excuse for why if December hits and I didn't get something... I want it to be because I didn't do something, not because Mm -hmm. of the coronavirus. Yeah. So now I want to take us back to our regular uh, segment on the show, our main, main topic for today, where we're going to talk a little bit more about personal finance and help you accomplish some of these goals. So back to our main topic. Really excited about this topic that we've got today. So, uh, for our listeners, um, we are talking today about Eric Olson's financial plan, and the reason I'm excited about it is one: I think it'll be an interesting conversation in general about finance. Two, I think it'll be a good way to get to know a little bit more about Eric. And three, a lot of people would not allow us to discuss this and share that personal or those intimate details. And Eric, you being willing to share that with us and the listeners, uh, we really appreciate it.
3: Well, I appreciate you saying that, Roshan. Yeah, so the motivation for this was that, um, well, first of all, we we make it a, a – practice to update our financial plan, uh, not annually, but you know, every two or three years, just kind of revisit the assumptions that we've used for uh, a variety of things, uh, how long we would work, how uh, quickly, particularly in this business, um, the The shape of the practice uh, along with the income from the practice would change um, what our goals were with respect to our kids and our grandkids and and on and on and on and over time I, what I like about this sort of process of ongoing financial planning is it doesn't it, it allows you to see the impact or or test the impact using this modeling approach that we use to see what kind of, um, what kind of viability there is to this or that dream. So uh, for us, that, that was the motivation in general, but this year it took on special weight because my wife has been saying for a while, I'd like to spend more time with my mom and my mom, in her case, her mom is in Southern California. Here we are in Northern Illinois. It's hard to do when she's still working at, you know, in a clinic here. And on top of that, I, you know, speaking again from the vantage point of my wife, want to spend more time with my children and and our grandchildren. And how do I do that? So really the family tug was really growing very, very strong in her. And uh, I completely understand that. Before my parents passed away, I would be regularly at least three three times, sometimes four times a year flying out and spending a week um, with them. And um, and I can do that because my my work permits it. But in this case, that was a strong motivation. So anyway, that was the starting point. Well, let me ask you that
1: about that. Actually, did, you, did was there. Are you on a fixed cycle of uh, of we it every spring or every you mentioned two to three years, every two years or three years in the spring? Or was this something like, well, you know, we're at home now with the quarantine, might as well update the plan. What prompted that?
3: Well, we're not on quite that rigid a schedule. It's more when we have been thinking about making some sort of shift in plan. Then, or making an adjustment, or accelerating, decelerating, whatever the case might be, um, or when we find that some of the assumptions that we had been resting our our previous modeling on weren't weren't coming uh, true, they were either beating those ex, those assumptions or they were falling short. So uh, then it seems like it's, a, it's an opportune time to get in and say, okay, let's model this again more carefully or using these updated assumptions and see what that leads to. So that was the recognition on the part of my wife. I don't wanna keep postponing the day when I spend more time with these mm-hmm. key people. So um, on top of that, we had said, we want to move to Michigan to be closer, particularly to our youngest daughter who lives there now, as well as our oldest daughter and her family who routinely fly back to that same part of Southwest Michigan for, by virtue of the fact that my son-in-law's family is there. So it just seemed like this is a no-brainer. We can sort of bring bring the band back together, essentially. Yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, so you, you, you're thinking about The goal ultimately is get closer to everyone, right? So that's the move. Mm -hmm. That is the move. How long have you been thinking about that move? Or when did you figure out that Michigan was the place to be? Well, it was probably about two years ago,
3: I would say, that we started in earnest to think that that makes sense for us uh, because it was apparent that um, how much... Uh, Well, let's start with the older daughter when she would uh, she and her husband and their and our grandchildren children would fly back from Seattle to the Grand Rapids area. They would, you know, they'd spend a certain amount of time with his family. Then they'd have to drive four hours to come see us and then four hours back and you burn eight hours in the car on a one week vacation, especially with smaller children. Does that really make a ton of sense? I mean, that just it seems it seems wasteful. That's one thing and then secondly here's our daughter who our youngest daughter who was there also in southwest michigan and clearly as time went on it wasn't just hey i'm here for a while and i'm going someplace else no i it really appeared that she was there for the long haul mm-hmm. so starting about 2 years ago we said okay how what's the timetable on which we would make this happen and Honestly, we probably would have been ready to do it last year if we had gotten some more of these household projects accomplished during that summer. I did paint, I primed the house two years ago. I painted it last year. Now we just have the, the deck, the balcony, you know, a few other things like that, some, some landscaping updates, what have you, and feel like, okay, we're pretty close, pretty close to getting there. So it's just, those projects have just elongated a little bit, but um, now it seems, it seems like it's time.
1: Okay. So now you, you, about two years ago, you figured out this is what you want to do and you started working towards it. Mm -hmm. Now you're updating your plan uh, right now. Mm -hmm. What are you updating Uh, really as basic account value? So on. Tell me about the process.
3: Yeah. Well, so it is, uh, first of all, in terms of all the data, uh, the the current snapshot, we, we look at assets, We look at liabilities, we look at uh, income, we're looking at uh, our expenses in particular. And on the expense side, Um, we started in earnest to really track every penny about three and a half, four years ago. I mean, every penny. And instead of sort of loose assumptions about, well, roughly we're spending this. No, we wanted to know precisely and in which categories exactly so that we would have with that additional information or that additional sort of level of granularity about where things are going, we'd be in a better position to say, is this really is this, is this a really a high reward expenditure? And especially since, you know, if there's other things that we would value of sort of assigning this dollar a job, you're going to assign every dollar a job. Is this the right job for that dollar or is this the right job for that dollar? Is there Am I driving a lot of happiness from, you know, this commitment of this this income or what have you? And we realized um, that, so we had now a lot more clarity about, precisely what choices we were actually making so that, um, you know, we can start to discipline. And in fact, and you know, I'll just speak very, this is going to sound like extraordinarily high spending to some people. And it's going to sound like ridiculously low spending to some other people. So I know we yeah. just all have our own budgets, but, uh, yeah in terms of just lifestyle spending, lifestyle spending on an annual basis, I mean, in terms of fixed costs, I'm talking about things like putting food on the table, getting the utility bills paid, putting uh, gas in the car, you know, paying for those, uh, the the insurance policies and everything like that. We're probably spending around, I would guess, around $45,000 a year on those sorts of things. And then... We're probably spending around, not quite, but close to $30,000 a year on elective or what I would call discretionary expenditures, eating out, traveling, giving gifts to people, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then in terms of our, um, in terms of our giving and and there's a biblical principle, you're not really supposed to talk about your giving (laughs) because you don't want your right hand to know what your left hand is doing. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, it's, so I'm not going to go into detail about that, but, but we, we come from a, we come from a, a worldview where generous giving is really an important part of living. And so, um, we try to, we try to maintain that, that discipline and, then we're trying to actively save. And so there's a, you know, a lot of, we're very aggressively saving, um, you know, maxing uh, both of our on ks you know, Uh, in my business. So we also have profit sharing plan that we can award, uh, you know, a non-qualified savings, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where, when we kind of look at the, and then there's of course the property taxes, I guess if I throw property taxes on there, there's a little bit more Mm -hmm. that in fixed spending, it probably drives us up in the low fifties and so forth. So when you put the whole nut together, you kind of see, wow, there's a lot of money going out the door, but $30,000 a year, not including the charitable side, just $30,000 a year on a discretionary expending. Is that really, is that really what we want? Is, I mean, if that would, there's what other things could we do with that? So that, that exercise for us has really been interesting. And um, I, you know, I'm probably the worst defender of the two of us. (laughs) So, you know, for me, it kind of drives the point home even further maybe there's other things that you that you want more for those dollars to do than to enjoy another, you know, bag of fries with your burger. Did,
2: did, did you find it kind of hard to adjust these discretionary um, expenses, Eric? Or was this something that once you kind of did the financial plan, this was kind of like overnight, all right, we can, we can adjust this, no big deal. Adrian, that is a great question. Um, it is
3: not an easy thing, I think, because you do sort of get into some habits of what you think is normative and what is justifiable. And you know, so habits drive a lot of spending as opposed to reason or, or sort of a systematic approach to sequencing your preferences. And so, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's hard and uh, probably a little harder for me than for my, for my bride. So um, yeah, I'm looking at it saying, trying to think, I think much of it is mindset. So it's easy for me to say, oh, now I'm going, to, I'm going to enter into a process of suffering. And the answer is no, I'm not going to enter into a process of suffering. Instead, what I'm going to enter into is a, is a process of improving the return on those dollars by allocating
1: something that I want more or care more about. And And, uh, I just want to clarify that statement. You're saying the return on those dollars from a utility, what you enjoy spending, not profits,
3: not from profits, not from investment, but from allocating what, what will bring greater joy. I love
1: that concept, by the way, that if you think of it from that perspective, especially when it's discretionary spending, right, mm -hmm. that you are spending those dollars to enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And if that can be better spent somewhere else Mm -hmm. or even, quite frankly, saved because you want to enjoy your those dollars in the future. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great process you went through.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you. So uh, at this point now, it's um, it is looking at the impact within the planning process. I'm going to come back to the planning process. So looking at the impact of making those kinds of adjustments. And saying, all right, if we, if we, some people say, Eric, you're talking about only $15,000 swing uh, a year, you know, what's that? So if, well, that would be, that would be true if we were talking about it just being allocated to savings or to investment, but it could be allocated, it could be allocated toward giving It could be allocated toward blessing our kids and our grandkids, you know, in ways that we, you know, so you kind of sit there thinking, would I rather, and so now kind of like choice A, choice B, would I rather um, enjoy more carrot cake at my favorite restaurant? And I'm being facetious a little bit here, but you get the idea. Or, uh, but, but see my kids maybe um, struggle a bit, with coming up with the cash necessary to educate their children, or would I rather uh, uh, help myself avoid packing on those carrot cake pounds and see my uh, see my kids have an easier time of providing an education for their children. I mean, it's just, so when you start thinking about, well, obviously in my case, the second, no, I guess you'd say obviously in my case, the first, (laughs) but, uh, so, but when I think it, when I, when I don't think about it, obviously the first, but because that's what I've been doing. But when uh, you think about it, then you go, well, of course, that's blindingly obvious. So why that, that's an easier change to make when it's driven by, uh, that, that second motivation.
1: I, Have not done the carrot cake versus helping educate grandchildren comparison. I like it, though. Um, What's funny when you say that, I think about my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, my my wife would joke about how my father-in-law wouldn't let them get soda if they ever went out to a restaurant. when they were growing growing up. Mm -hmm. And at one point it was a joke. And then I started having kids and realizing they charge two fifty dollars for a soda at a (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) And now I'm the same way now. You really need that soda? Because I can get you a six pack for like four bucks. (laughs) Or not a six, a 12 pack for like four bucks. (laughs) But that's a a great comparison is I should next time say when they're ordering, when the kids are ordering at the menu, you can get that soda Or you can skip it and get a toy. (laughs) Right.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think you're kind of bringing up. uh, This is the time where decision making really comes into effect, whether it's on a a small level or really big level. Just making these sometimes Mm. tough decisions, Mm -hmm. and with these decisions, also bring up sometimes tough conversations as well. That conversations that you need to have. Regarding your financial plan, what you're doing in retirement and the next steps is uh, something really big to think about.
1: Yeah. Well, the- uh, on, let me add one thing to that, sure. that Adrian. I like it's, I think some of these are also unconscious decisions, mm-hmm. right? So it's oh, not yeah. just decision-making. It's also realizing that you're making a decision, even though you don't, you don't realize that you are mm-hmm. right. So, uh, when you're ordering that carrot cake, you're not thinking I'm not helping my grandkids get educated. <laughs> but, right. but that could be what you're doing. Yeah, right? yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, so
3: and so and I, the other thing I guess I would just observe about this is, is that, um, you know, I'm talking about in um, pretty idealized um and structured approaches to prioritizing your goals. I also just want to comment though, as well, that there is, you know, part of this planning process for us, and I think this is a reasonable for everyone is to also think about risk mitigation in our case. um, And, you know, we've talked about this sort of thing on our podcast before, so this isn't going to come as, as a big, big blinding news, but we're, we're, Uh, careful to not we I would say we don't over insure but we certainly do insure so life insurance we have what I think is an appropriately um, you know the the appropriate amount reflecting we can get into the whole thing of needs versus human life value but we have appropriate levels of life insurance Mm -hmm. um, and we have disability insurance we have long-term care insurance and so forth. But you also, I think, can say, well, part of the measure of what's necessary in each of those categories of insurance is in, in, in part a function of what your, your base spending is. So if you can reflect, look at your spending and scrutinize that a little bit more, then you can say, all right, well, then if we did, if we had the, if we had the shift of our will and our habits, and we're spending less in each of these other categories, that would reduce what we would quote unquote call the need. And as a result, allow us in addition to have that uh, insurance potentially just ratchet that down a bit. And um, along with that ratcheting down, then save further money on the, on the
1: premium side. So well, I want to, I want to, I want to explain this concept a little bit with, mm-hmm. with real numbers. So let's just say, cause I like, like things being simple. Yeah. You, you're getting life insurance and you live on a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. and based on your life expectancy, whatever the numbers are, you think you need 10 times that 100,000. So a million dollars, right? So, uh uh, and I'm picking this number at random. The ten times spending because it makes my math easy. Mm-hmm. But but what you're so you get a million dollars in life insurance. Well, what you let's just say you've cut your expenses down to fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. You're still using this ten times calculation. Now you need five hundred thousand in life right. insurance. Mm-hmm. So you just cut your life insurance costs in half.
3: Right. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not, I don't think, I just want to clarify for our listeners that I don't think either you or I are saying that 10 times, in, 10 times spending is necessarily the right amount of life insurance.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I thought, I thought, I guess I didn't explain that clearly. <laughs> you, These you are random numbers well. I pick for my math. <laughs> random yeah. numbers so I could do the math on the, on the, off the top of my head really quickly. Yes. Great, 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 great. Cause I, yeah, just, so we're, yes. that's something that you,
3: you look at a little bit more carefully, but still your point is perfect. That's a perfect explanation of it, that if you can cut the expenses in half, presumably then the, you might actually on that basis, and I'll just go one step further with this. If you have assets, you might cut the life insurance um, need entirely. Right, Because then at that point, it's really not just your life insurance, it's your life insurance plus your assets that are providing that that um, form of, of provision, um, the resources for provision beyond um, the life of one of the two in this case. And so um, if your assets are sufficient, then there may be no need if you cut your spending in half. I don't know anybody who's doing yes. that.
1: I, and I just want to explain that further, uh, because I think it's an important concept. If your expenses go down, and you have a need for life insurance, that needs need goes down. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if your asset level has gone up over the years, you may be able to have you may have enough assets at this lower spending level to where you don't need the insurance. That's what Eric is essentially explaining, correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, so i want to keep uh, keep us going because we could spend a week on your financial plan sure so at this point you 've established a goal a couple of years ago of you mm-hmm. you want to move you 've then taken that forward to say okay we 've updated we 've gone through our expenses and we 've made some cutbacks. Mm-hmm. And Eric, just out of curiosity, approximate percentage change. How? What percentage do you think you lowered your expenses by after you went through that exercise? Well,
3: on the discretionary side, the, the goal is at this point to cut discretionary spending by 50%. And okay. hold our giving constant. Our, you know, obviously you can't do property taxes. We still have a mortgage, you know, it's, and with, especially with the shift to the place in Michigan, then we will, uh, you know, we'll we'll pull a new mortgage in. So that'll be yeah. another fifteen years where we've got to make commitments for that. Yes, Erica, but on the I'm, discretionary I'm gonna, side.
1: Well, uh, what is that overall? Because what I, I want some, I want I want someone to be able to hear this and say, well, Eric went through his expenses mm-hmm. and cut it by. X percent, just because everyone does not classify things as uh, with the discretionary category. Yeah. So overall, ballpark it. uh, I see you looking at your financial plan to give me an exact number. What percentage?
3: When taking out savings and taking out taxes, if I'll just leave those out for a second. Yeah. um, That would be about a 10% reduction in our spending.
1: (laughs) Okay, and so you were able to achieve a 10% reduction in spending just by being more conscious of what you were spending it on and thinking that these dollars could be used elsewhere. Right.
3: Correct. Yeah. And in this case, they would be, and which I haven't gotten into, but our, in our case, I mentioned the kids and the grandkids. It would be yes. directed toward, you know, I, my kids will never listen to this, so it's okay if I, if I spill the beans here. <laughs> but helping them, uh, each of them with a down payment on a home, And, uh, helping with, uh, presumably a wedding for our younger daughter Mm -hmm. and helping, uh, with the grandkids with you know, a fair share of their college funding, et cetera. So those are the things that, um, we want to ramp up essentially. So if you stop eating carrot cake, you can help
1: buy a house and pay for a wedding. I think that's simple.
3: Actually, we would have covered the first of (laughs) those, the weddings and the, and the down payments just fine. But in terms of really being able to just, uh, do a lot, have a much greater impact on the grandkids' uh, uh, educations. I think that's really the, the prime driver here.
1: All right, excellent. So you, you so in this process, you created a, a vision and a goal, but then you actually added things on when you saw what you could add on by making mm-hmm. these adjustments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or was it the other way? Did you have the goal first and say, if I cut back, did you, did you say, be- I want to accomplish these things and I need to cut back discretionary spending by X? Or did you say if I cut discretionary spending by X, I can do these other things, and then add things on the list? In our case, it was starting with the goal, okay, and then um, the the other variable that we
3: have to work with. Not everybody has this uh, this to work with. But, um, in my case, you know, as as I've shared before, I'm knocking on the door here of 61, but I have, I think the energy and the, and the level of just, you know, energy, both mental and physical that I think, um, I don't know, I would say maybe I'm, I feel like I'm a, the clock is about eight years behind on me. So on that, I feel like I, if somebody told me at 65, Hey, Eric, we're going to force you to stop working. I would be so bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love what I do. And, uh, I, I just, why would I want to quit? So yeah. the thought process has been at least till 70 and God willing, if I'm still of really sound mind until 75, why wouldn't I, why yeah. wouldn't I keep going? Or at least at some level, if it's not, you know, full on pedal to the metal, why wouldn't I keep doing that. So, but we do have, you know, not everyone has the luxury to sort of say, I feel like I could, I could, and I want to work until X years. Mm -hmm. Some people it's, it's not so much of a choice for them, but in my case, you know, we could fund some of those other things by just tap tacking on an extra year or two, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And in my case, I just thought, well, that's, that's kind of, that's a little bit presumptuous, isn't it? Because you don't know if you're going to get hit by a beer truck uh, tomorrow or 10 years from now or whatever. So there may not be that extra year. So don't fund everything with, uh, you know, on the con get work on it right
1: now. I think that's a tough part of, of planning in general, right? When you're, mm-hmm. when you're thinking about finance and money, it's, it's how much do you use that to enjoy yourself now versus, mm-hmm. versus later, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, a good one. So now that you've got your goals, you've updated all your data. Yeah. Was there, what, what was the outcome of this updated financial plan? What was different from the previous version?
3: Well, with that update, um, then the, Particularly, the funding of those goals related to our kids and our grandkids, especially Mm -hmm. with respect to the grandkids, um, just becomes a lot more viable as opposed to to a from it moves from the category of well, that'd be nice and a kind of a wish. I wish we could do that. To hey, you know what? We can we can start to take some satisfaction that we're going to do that, and that's uh, you know, barring again getting hit by a beer truck prematurely, that will be within our means to help. Uh, with a, a you know a significant share of that burden, and um, and give our choice you know some choices to our kids and allow them to, uh, along with their their own children, um, you know not have to not have to take shortcuts on that side. By the way, I'm not. I, th- this is I, I want to touch on the value side there, but I don't think there's it's just on with respect to college funding in particular. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having being reality-based about what you can afford for college. In fact, I think in some ways having to say that we are really reality-based about college funding is um, is a good discipline, a good character builder. And, and signing a blank check to kids about they can go wherever they want to is in some ways I think may for some students at least be harmful. So I don't want to put our kids or grandkids in that position where they feel like they can be sort of prima donnas about it, our our grandchildren in particular, not that I see their character evolving that way, but if they should, so, but nonetheless, uh, we, you know, we want to make that, um, something that's within their range of choice.
1: Yeah, that's great. And you, so two years ago, you started on this path over the, well, I'm, I'm saying started two years ago, you had the goal of moving. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the way you added these additional goals. And then when you did your update in your, on your retirement, on your plan, there was a change in retirement, correct?
3: Uh, it was a, it was a firming up of my wife's retirement and, um, a, in a, in my case, a recognition of the range of choices that I had about Mm -hmm. my own retirement. But, um,
1: when you no say mind. firming up, when's your wife's not planned retirement right now? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought I had kind of pointed toward that. So, if
3: well, so uh, the we're going to ring that bell on Thursday, July 9th.
1: Well, early congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's right. And when was it before, before this, what was the the date before you did the update? Well, it was,
3: it was a little open-ended. I mean, it was, okay. we're trying to get to Michigan. And um, so would my wife be looking for a similar position there at a, mm-hmm. at a, with a hospital system there, or, you know, what, what might she do? And Um, It was the call of the family, which I mentioned, explained at length, that finally said, yeah, that doesn't sound like such a great plan. So uh, let's just verify. And we, we felt pretty sure we could we could do this this summer, Mm -hmm. but let's just verify. And it was particularly important to her because I think she was feeling like, oh my gosh, Eric, you're talking about working till you're 70 or 75 and I'm talking about retiring now. It it just doesn't seem fair. And I'm thinking, it's not a matter of fairness. (laughs) It's a matter of, hey, if I can love you this way and you can love your mom this way and you know together whereas and this is a team why wouldn't we do that yeah so it was just for her sake so she wouldn't feel so guilt-ridden i think in part uh to <laughs> see what happens if we trim one income out uh and one saving into a 401k as well what what what, what harm would that do and we saw there's no harm it was still yeah. this is it's all workable
1: let's do this yeah, that's so. How how was she excited? Or you mentioned she felt a little guilty. Did is that has that guilt subsided?
3: Yes, I mean so that's the beauty of I think a financial plan, or at least for some people, is, is you kind of go, oh, okay. Well, then it works. Uh, we've got lots of we've got lots of choice. We've got lots of control over all of this, and um, now she's feeling. Pumped. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to see. And I just saying as a husband, man, I'll tell you what, I feel awesome uh, seeing my wife so elated by the, the visible end to this, this chapter and now the transition to the next. It's, it's really cool.
1: So she, you went from, we're going to move and you may be working and we don't, and it's open-ended. We don't quite have retirement date yeah, for, her, for her to you're retiring in three months. Two months almost. Actually. Yeah,
3: I think now the date is, uh, it's it's uh, two months from tomorrow.
1: Yeah, well, well congratulations to the Olson family. <laughs> that's that's wonderful news. And, and I really enjoyed our conversation today because I think it shows uh, the impact of, of the financial plan in general, right? Even as a professional and, and for your wife married to a professional in the field, you, you sometimes just need to see the options available to you. Right. And I think it really helps you... Mm -hmm. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine this gave both of you a uh, peace of mind. Uh, I Yeah, I tend to be pretty
3: optimistic and wasn't concerned that it was going to be an issue. But I just thought, well, you know what? She wants to see it in black and white as well as we can do. And I, I'm i pretty confident mm-hmm. that I approach this with about as much precision as anyone I know. So uh, let's go. Let's do it. And so we put it together and it took a couple of weekends of you know really puzzling through and just making sure that the data were clean and everything like that, on the spending side, as I talked about before. And, um, once we had that all in there and we realized, wow, well that's, that's, uh, that works great. Um, then it was like, okay, you can breathe easy, sweetheart, and, uh, go into work tomorrow and let your supervisor know this is the date. And, uh, and so she did. And it was, you know, quite a significant thing. I, I guess I, if I had one word of encouragement, though, to people as sort of a starting process for this, and we did this in in what we had previously been the previous iteration of this podcast, which we've been calling financial independence, season two in particular, but, I, but uh, we, we talked about building a financial plan, we talked about d- gathering the data. And what I would just encourage you to do is develop some mechanism that allows you to do that tracking of every penny. And see how see how you're currently um, ordering your dollars around, and uh, and figure out w- you know what what jobs you've been giving them, and are those are are do you have a bunch of lazy dollars? Do you have a, or are they working really hard to? kind of goes straight for the target that's really important for you. And if you you want some suggestions about that, shoot us an email. Our contact information is in the show notes. We can help you with some, you know, some basic tools for uh, you know organizing your finances in that way. In my case, I use one where all of our accounts are you know, checking account and credit cards are and debit cards, the whole nine yards are connected. And so they just automatically download the expenditures and then we just make sure they're correctly categorized. And then at that point, we're in a position to really look closely at what's what.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think that was a very useful, uh, Personal Finance University uh, section today. <laughs> I don't know whether I'd classify that. That's probably a 401 class. I think there's <laughs> 101 topics in there too. Uh, and I want to take us into our uh, last segment called High Impact Life, where Eric's going to show you some ways to have a greater impact with what you with what you do.
3: So today on uh, this segment of the High Impact Life, I want to uh, take on another category of the four that I outlined last week that I'd like to um, explore with you over the the coming months. And um, those four categories of of impact, in my view, are volunteering, number two, mentoring as a sort of more specialized um, variety of volunteering, number three, giving, and number four, investing in ways that lead to impact beyond the financial bottom line for your own portfolio. Last week, I focused on an organization for giving. That was International Justice Mission. Today, I want to talk about a category for volunteering. This is an organization that um, I and some of my clients have been involved with, and it's been really rewarding. So this organization is Habitat for Humanity. So Habitat for Humanity has been around for decades. And as you probably have seen in your own communities, they build homes that are affordable for families who might not be able to to purchase a a home on the con, in the conventional marketplace. Fortunately, their model isn't to um, do this on purely a, um, a, a a charitable basis, kind of with a wish and a prayer. Instead, what they do is they have certain standards for the families that will be um, receiving or having the opportunity to to have this home. And that involves some sweat equity on the part of those future residents. So they're they're actually participating on a on a regular basis and a significant basis in the building of their own home, which I think adds to that that sense of ownership. Um, But what I also think it does is for those people who can volunteer in this area, it's a great way to experience a more direct connection, not only with other like-minded people in your community, but also with these um, future residents of your community. So right here in Crystal Lake, Uh, which we have a a development that is uh, over the course of a two or three year period going to have about 10 houses and three of those are up. They've already been assigned to families. And my, in my case, my clients, uh, some of my clients have been involved in those things. So here's what I'm going to suggest you do is contact your local, your local or regional branch of Habitat for Humanity. And you don't have to have, A lot of advanced carpentry skills. There are certain, or drywall skills, or plumbing skills, or like certainly they need people who do that. Absolutely they do uh but there are points in the in the process where if you're able to you know swing a hammer and take some instruction or use a saw and take some instruction with that you can you can be useful in this process and it's even more fun if you can get together a group of let's say 5 or 10 friends and volunteer for a day to go do that together. It just really builds community and, and what have you. So I had uh, 10 of my clients and I went and spent a day uh, building this one duplex. It was so awesome to be together and, and build friendships like that, as well as get to know the two families. So um, Habitat for Humanity, uh, get, pick up a phone, give them a dial and figure out a time when you can pitch in.
1: Great organization. We'll include this in the show notes. You go to habitat.org, as Eric said, and then right there on the front page, you can click on volunteer. The first thing says, find your local habitat. Type in your zip code and you're good to go. Great organization, Eric, and I love that you and your clients went out there and built something. I would love to see pictures of that if you have it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> send it Send it over and maybe we can put that in the show notes as well.
3: All right, sounds good.
1: Thank you for listening to us today. This has been the Retirement Lifestyle Show. We hope you found this helpful. Uh, Please let your friends know about us. Give us five stars. We're here to help. Reach out to us if you have episode ideas, ideas of ways to be happier, ideas to help and give back and have that high impact life. We'd love to hear it and we'd love to share what you have with all of our listeners. We hope you have the financial independence of your dreams and thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. If you found this show helpful, gained knowledge or enjoyed the time you spent with Roshan, Eric and Adrian, tell your friends and leave us a 5-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast or to ask us a question, go to retirewithroshan.com. That's retire with Roshan. R-O-S-H-A-N dot com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. Finally, our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube audio library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening.